Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Parts Unknown, where today we reach the end of the line on our journey through the granddaddy of them all, the show of shows, where athletics meets theatre, the ultimate thrill ride, etc. and so on. It's WrestleMania, 32 shows later, and it all comes down to this. Our final look back at the event that played such a big part in making what is now WWE, the global behemoth it is today. We're going to look back over the first two menus in one show today. To do that, I'm going to need some help. Please welcome my guests at this time. God bless them. They've watched well over 100 hours worth of WrestleManias over these past eight months. First up from Sky Sports News, the king of the analogy. He's either a macho man or a Randy Savage. I'll let you decide. It's Anton Effintalui. I'll take that. Hello, mate. <laughs> Next, from Parts Unknown, if you don't know that he's from London, that is the eighth wonder of the world, Carl Anker. Hello, everyone. And their tag team partner, coming down the aisle from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, or Bedfordshire, I forget which, Captain Carrie Dunn. Hello. We'll start with WrestleMania 2 then. Went down on Monday, 7th of April, 1986, making it the only WrestleMania that was not held on the customary Sunday. The events took place across three venues, the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, the Rosemont Horizon in Rosemont, Illinois, and the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena in LA. Did the three-venue thing work for you, Carrie? What, what even was the thinking about it? Make it feel bigger? Well, it, in execution, it was terrible, clearly, but I quite like the idea of it. I think Vince clearly got carried away with the with his own genius, thinking this is going to be the biggest thing ever. I want it across the country. Basically, he's thinking basically Live Aid, but but a wrestling show. And yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a sweet idea. It was just done very very badly. My, my thing was, Carl, as, as a viewer, they just look like three identical venues. There's nothing to sort of distinguish them from one another. So they might as well all have been in the same place. Yeah, I think the impetus was to see if, you know, I saw that one arena in WrestleMania 1, let's try and sell that three, which he more or less did. But the problem you had was, um, depending on what city you were in, you either got a mediocre card or a bad card. And also, uh, you also spent two thirds of whatever show you were at watching the rest of WrestleMania occur on television. So... Yeah, you got a crummy deal either way. Good thing is it worked really well at Raw 25. <laughs> oh, yeah, fantastic. It, it, it's one of those things where it gets floated and you keep thinking, this should work. In theory, this should work. And yet... It didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> Anton, do you concur? I wholeheartedly concur. You still, It should work because you're taking the event to as many people as possible, <laughs> but you're effectively splitting your talent, splitting your audience, and not making a lot of people stand around in a, in a dark room watching a big screen waiting for something to happen so and then when it does happen they're not as hyped as they should be so each venue had their own commentary team we started in new york with vince mcmahon and an actor named susan st james who who mainly worked in tv but did a couple of films straight out of the troy mcclure page book including the cockeyed boys of calico county and don't cry it's only thunder ray, ray charles took on america the beautiful um 
It, it started dreadfully and then got a bit better, is that fair to say? Rachel started with a flub and it goes on for so long and there are so many images of Americana that are interspersed with Rachel's, I want to say, rambling rendition of the song. And then it, en- it ends on an image of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> with 8-bit fireworks yeah, in like, the background. America, you know, white picket fences, apple pie, uh, soldiers. Soldiers. Hulk Hogan! <laughs> it's, it's the most Reaganite um, video package about America I've seen since Mania 30, where John Cena may have helped America land on the moon before the Russians. <laughs> it's this one and the Aretha one, very much like when Bleeding Gums Murphy sings the anthem before the Springfield Isotopes game. Absolutely. Just why am I here? What am I doing? <laughs> uh, the first match we're going to look at, as usual, the last match on the card, off to LA, where the main event there was Hulk Hogan beating King Kong Bundy in a steel cage match. The cage being about a foot taller than the wrestlers. Carrie, I've got a real problem with steel cage matches. I think they're the dumbest thing ever. Where's the glory in winning by running away, which is essentially what Hogan does by climbing over the cage and getting out to win? Well, it's a steel cage, which makes it, you know, really scary. Almost uh, still galvanised. Oh, Almost certainly. Is, I, I would imagine <laughs> so. I mean, cages by and large are steel, aren't they? Yeah, yes, I would say so. No, I don't like steel cage matches. I don't like Hell in a Cell matches particularly, and I definitely didn't like this match. Um, I think that this might be the worst main event in WrestleMania history, Carl. It's up there. It's an atrocious main event. Mania 3 is okay, but it's uh, moments rather than a match. So as a match, Hulk Hogan doesn't have a good one at WrestleMania until Mania 5, and that's because Randy Savage is holding his hand through it. Bundy is not a wrestler. And this is a long mess of just classic punch-punch-kick, Hulk Hogan, Hulk up, Um... I was watching this with my younger brother and he was going, oh, so is this around the time where people thought wrestling was fake? And I looked at him and I looked at the wrestling and went, well, yeah, obviously you think this is real because look how basic it is. No one's pulling out a sling blade or a drop kick or an RKO. So obviously you watch that and go, yeah, that's two large men trying to beat each other up for real. Producer Ben is showing us uh, an advert that King Kong Bundy did. For Head Start, the complete computer system, even I can pin down at a price no one can beat. So even Head Start are burying him. Um, Axel, I thought that he looked like somebody you'd see in a smoky hall wrestling in the 1940s, which was 40 years prior to this. Explain King Kong Bundy to anyone who might not know. He's a 400-pound thumb. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he looks like. Um, He's just a big guy. That's effectively what he was, just a big guy. Um, Who wasn't very... Agile in the ring wasn't great on the mic, um, but size was. It, it was this during the sort of you know we're talking just after the the sort of period where you were in the territories and the touring area and that kind of thing. So when this guy arrived at an arena, people would have gasped. Then whoa, who was this fella? And it, I suppose, it translated to TV at the time because again people were seeing it for the first time on a on a national stage. And the problem is, it doesn't equate into brilliant sort of action in the ring. Doesn't equate to brilliant promos, but. You know, he would have been a sight, I suppose, when there was a freak show element to wrestling uh, that still existed. All right, Randy Savage uh, versus George Steele in the IC title match. Savage wins. This is back at the start of the night, second match on the card. Last time we're going to speak about Savage, he wasn't at WrestleMania 1. I mean, even the even the female commentator who was part of the announced team for this portion of the show, she pointed out how horrible... Savage was to Miss Elizabeth now maybe she should leave him which was sort of eerily prophetic it really was 
was. I kind of, I, I actually rewound that bit to listen to it again to kind of make sure that she was actually saying what I thought she'd said. Yeah, yeah. It it's really sad, isn't it? It's Kathy it, Lee Crosby. Her name Kathy is by Lee the way. Crosby. Yeah. Yes. So she was with Gorilla and Jean Oakland there. She's a fine commentator. Very <laughs> insightful. Um, yeah. The further we go back, now we go back to the start. The whole Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage thing is just a tragedy. And it's it's almost feels worse watching it backwards and going back to kind of when you first saw them and you didn't know any of this stuff, you know how it's going to end up. It's Yeah, it's a tragedy. Have you got anything else to say on, on Savage, Carl? Um, Susan St. James, also on comms, is also going... She says uh, that Miss Elizabeth should leave Macho Man for George Still because George Still isn't smart but has respect for women. And it's a real... And he's like, yeah, like, oh, oh, you know, it was hinted that Macho Man wasn't a great boyfriend. Like, no, it, it's explicit. It's there. It's the women are clearly telling you, but you're an idiot boy going, la la la. What? What? No, Carrie, it's fine. It's just a joke. But I find it so interesting that they do have the female co-coms here who, you know, they're not in wrestling. You know, they're 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 actresses, I think, and TV presenters and stuff, and they're saying this stuff, and you kind of think. Then how did Vince allow these storylines to continue as they were for the next five years without that undercutting of the narrative that Savage is presenting you with? It's really, really peculiar. Well, none of these women ever worked with WF again, did they? So I thought thought St. James was brilliant. I genuinely thought she was great. I thought all three were were fantastic. It'd be interesting to see when the next Mania 35 comes around whether Renee is billed as the first female commentator because obviously we've seen women commentate throughout this entire event and we had uh, Hart at WrestleMania 3 as well. So, But yeah, I thought it was a real insight into how the process was so male-dominated, the writing, the booking, everything, and nobody ever thought to look at it through a different set of eyes, you know, through 50% of the population's eyes. So it was... I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating. This I thought this match was fascinating for the commentary alone. Uh, George Steele deserves a mention, doesn't he? Died in in twenty seventeen, age seventy nine, in non tragic circumstances in wrestling terms, at least, which is nice. He had a twenty plus year run, Hall of Famer in nineteen ninety five. Um, used to eat the the turnbuckle pads. That was what he's mainly remembered for, I suppose. <laughs> and, it, and his hairy back, yeah, yeah. and his hairy back, yeah. like fur. It's described as he's he's a, he's a good. I want to say bumpkin. But a good sort of, I'm not, I don't look particularly smart, but I am clearly a wrestling, don't want to say genius, um, competent at wrestling. Uh, so yeah, steady hand, good, good mid-carder, very good as a second as well. Um, so if you were a heel and you wanted backup, you get George Steele to sort you up. Or if you're a face like Ricky Steamboat in WrestleMania 3. Yeah. I do enjoy this era of having, for a big match, you should have a second. Which you know, I, I like stables, I like tag teams, but the whole concept of I'm going into the fray f- to win a title. Could you mind like just making sure this doesn't end in a double count out? Well, in the next match we're going to talk about, people had seconds, thirds. There are a couple of fourths and fifths hanging around as well. Uh, Mr. T with Hazy Kid and Joe Frazier beat Roddy Piper with Bob Orton and Lou Duva by disqualification. So it's kind of a spin-off from the previous year's tag team main event at WrestleMania One. Uh, it's a boxing match essentially. Joan Rivers, the guest ring announcer. Chocolate Thunder, Daryl Dawkins, a New York Knicks basketball player, one of the judges. Uh, Also some dude called Cab Calloway, who, according to Wikipedia, was master of energetic scat singing. Quiet, Anton. (laughs) And, of course, G. Gordon Liddy of the Watergate scandal. Also Herb, the timekeeper, who'd been in a Burger King commercial. Um, Yeah, it all happened. 
All of this happened. Uh, Piper disqualified for body slamming T at 1.15 in the fourth round. Uh, it might be apocryphal, but we hear that Piper and T didn't get along or Piper didn't like Mr. T uh, and pretty much nobody did. Um, yeah, bit of a bit of a hot mess, this. This went on for 15 minutes. Everything else before that had been like two minutes, five minutes. Even after that, you've got two minutes, three minutes. This one for 15 minutes. It's the main event. 15 minutes. This is your main event in New York. What? This is Vince being so, this entire WrestleMania is actually Vince being so weird, like he always is, about real sport in inverted commas. You've got the NFL thing happening later. Why is Vince so weird about real sport? Why is he so obsessed? Just accept what you have, Vincent, for God's sake. Because he doesn't watch real sport. Oh, Jesus Christ. It is well known in WWE Towers that if you go up to Vince and say, hey, did you watch the game on Sunday? He's like, what? What game? And you can confuse them with the basketball game when it's the off season, or the NFL game when it's the you know August, because he does not watch sport. He watches, well, he is said to watch wrestling. I'm assuming he's watching his own product because his influences are getting increasingly incestuous. Apparently, he watched Sopranos because he tweeted when James Gandolfini died that he was one of television's greatest ever heels. Yeah, that's nice. But yeah, he, yeah. Vince, Vince trying real sport is very bizarre because he does not understand real sport because he doesn't understand anything other than I don't even think he understands himself. He just watches a lot of Reagan documentaries and has a big box of tissues. That's... And listens to Kid Rock. Yeah, um, and you see exactly. Um, this match is is there is palpable vitriol in Roddy Piper's punches. It's like, like really slap heavy from Mister T. He's clearly like, you know I'm an actor kind of thing. But Piper hates Mr. T. He's uh, really not, on the basis that he shouldn't be in this spot because he's not a wrestler. Or yes, so the the feud, well, the the supposed hatred of Mr. T started at WrestleMania one. Uh, Piper did not agree with the fact that Mr. T was getting to headline what was the biggest wrestling show of all time. You know, depending on who you talk to, um, in a tag match where Piper was like, no, I, I I should this should be a singles match between Hogan and myself, um, and apparently many other people backstage to varying degrees, had a dislike of Mr. T and how Mr. T was main eventing, despite the fact he had no wrestling prowess. Um, and you can see it. Piper's proper trying to take his head off, but he can't because Piper is not a boxer. Piper is someone who's been in a lot of pub fights, so he's throwing wild haymakers and wild nonsense. If you've ever been to a white-collar boxing match, you've seen a better boxing match than this. Um, yeah, they're both tired after two rounds, and it just becomes very dull. I'm, I was going to save this for, for WrestleMania, a.k.a. WrestleMania 1, Anton, but it seems cromulent to talk about it now. Mr. T, massive deal at this time, widely mocked for his 2014 Hall of Fame induction speech where he spoke about his mum for half an hour. But should he be more revered by wrestlers, wrestling personalities, wrestling fans for helping make WrestleMania a success purely by his presence in it? Because he was one of, if not the biggest star on American television at this time would WrestleMania have been what it was in those early years without that that celebrity involvement? No, and he, and he was willing to, to to you know not just stand and wave and be a timekeeper and making appropriate remarks to women. No, I think I think that's fair. I think he you know put the work in in the gym. He you know he gave up his time, but then it's Mr. T. He wasn't exactly flush with acting offers outside of the A team, was he? So it's not as it's not as not as though you're taking somebody who was you know another huge star of the time and it's still a very one-dimensional actor who was kind of mocked for being a one-dimensional actor his character in the 18 was effectively people laughed at him as well as him being a hero so 
Yeah, so I think there was that element as well, not just you're not a wrestler, but also no one takes you seriously, mate. And now you're coming here where no one's going to take you seriously. And you're in a boxing match when you're our main event where we take this very seriously. So I can understand the anger. But yeah, these guys were getting paid more. More people would turn up to events. They were getting more exposure because they had the, one of the biggest stars of American TV on, uh, on their platform. Yeah, There is an infamous segment in an American talk show where Hulk Hogan and Mr. T are invited on to talk about WrestleMania. I think it's WrestleMania 1. And the talk show host is, is trying to break kayfabe. Is trying to say, you two are not legitimate athletes. Mr. T, I know you especially, you're an actor, so clearly you're acting here. Uh, and Hulk Hogan goes, okay, cool. How about I show some moves? It'll be fine. Fun. And he, he takes the host, looks at Mr. T, more or less winks and goes, I'll just put a little sleeper on you. He goes, I'm, apply a tight little bit of pressure. Knocks him out cold. Falls down, bangs his head, blood starts leaking from the gentleman's head. And Mr. T just looks at him and goes, <laughs> Look, proper, as if he's a genuine wrestler who was hazed, a small man. Hulk Hogan is taken to court for what he's done. But if, in terms of no one took Mr. T seriously, yeah, not only did Mr. T take up main event spots, but his presence as an actor also broke kayfabe for a lot of these wrestlers who came up through the territorial era. If you're Roddy Piper, you're starting to get more questions about you're not a real athlete because Mr. T is next to you, which I can imagine annoyed you more. But also, Roddy Piper does some the this is a hate-filled match, and the pros match as well, where Roddy Piper says, look at me, I'm so great, I don't have to cut my hair like an Indian or dye myself black. I'm like, what? What are you doing? Why are you like this? And I, I don't know the answer. There's going to be a lot more Piper chat on our um, best of or worst of in his case show. Uh, let's go back to the Rosemont Horizon. Confused? Yes. As we say, Gorilla, Gene and actor Kathy Lee Crosby on comms. Uh, she gets booed. In the women's title match, the fabulous Moolah beat Velvet McIntyre. Velvet McIntyre dress snaps. So it's a unplanned squash match, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, at the time, Fabius Moolah had held the belt for two years after she had screwed it out of the previous champion who we'll discuss at Wrestlemania 1 is supposed to have a match with Velvet Velvet gets beaten up like near shoot style Moolar is in this match she gets ragdolled by her hair yep in a really unpleasant way Moolar is beating her up Uh, Velvet McIntyre goes for a splash misses it pops up realises her dress is broken and Moolar I don't think Moolar has told Velvet McIntyre what's going on Moolar more or less just grabs lands on top of her, holds her down for the three count while Velvet McIntyre's legs are very clear on the ropes. Three count down, Moolah takes the belt, runs away, and you can see Velvet McIntyre still trying to fix her dress because basically she's on show. Um, yeah, it's quite sad and shocking. Um, Carrie, Velvet McIntyre, of course, not the grandmother of Dream McIntyre. Uh, fabulous Moolah. Let's get into the controversy surrounding her at this year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 34, they initially were going to call the Women's Battle Royal the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. Um, some of the sponsors got wind of her past and said, we'd rather not be affiliated with the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. All sorts of allegations against her. Um, a, a dominant figure in women's wrestling, but maybe not in the right kind of way. A, a pimp would be one way of describing her. Yeah, so... Uh, she had um, a very well-known, I want to say training school, but it wasn't really a training school as we would understand it. So she was basically, uh, had her 
uh, had a grasp of all the women wrestlers coming through. She treated the the talent very badly. There are many allegations of sexual abuse and, as you say, pimping kind of in there as well. And, yeah, she's not not a good person. And, yeah, as such, a great fit in WWF. Uh, the next match I want to talk about, Corporal Kirchner defeated Nikolai Volkov. First sight we've had, Anton, of Freddie Blassie. He's another kind of like Harley Race. He's just a, a little bit too late to the party in terms of WrestleMania for us to really get involved in, but significant nonetheless. That you know was wheeled out up until a couple of years ago. Every so often, when when they needed to say, "Hey, that the the company's in peril. Do it for this old guy." Yeah, I was kind of quite looking forward to seeing Blassie as well because of all the stories you hear, sort of prototype of Bobby Heenan, effectively sort of role and his him and his cane getting involved with matches is always quite famous but sort of similar to what we were talking about last week with Harley Race when you see guys at the sort of at the end of their career it's not quite doesn't quite have the same effect does it really and again when you're watching through our eyes now he's just sort of of course he's just the mouthpiece for the for the foreigner but yeah I mean I presume there wouldn't have been a Bobby Heenan if it wasn't for for Freddie Blassie so I'll I'll doff my cap to him. Carl, this was kind of like, uh, came to mind, the precursor for John Cena versus Rusev all those years later. This is so bad. Uh, My notes say, (laughs) what Disney-ass theme song is this when Kirshner comes on? Uh, Kirshner, for for a corporal or a colonel or some sort of military man, corporal throws the whiffiest punches. Come on, man. A little bit. you're, You're defending the United States in peak Cold War era America. He's having a gun. That's what. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and also, just just let Volkov sing a song. Just let him sing the national anthem. Just once. Whiffiest is one of my favourite Carl expressions, by the way. Um, this is this is worth mentioning. Kirchner, reportedly, he was announced dead by WWE on October the 15th, 2006. Uh, on October the 21st, it came to light that he was actually still alive. Uh, <laughs> This came as a result of confusion over his real name, which was believed to be Thomas Spear. There was, in fact, another Thomas Spear who dined in White Marsh, Maryland, but was completely unconnected to Kirshner. So it's one of those classic, his mum rings him, I hear you're dead. No, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. Uh, Wrestling kind of moments. Uh, Andre the Giant won a battle royal by last eliminating Bret Hart. Carrie, you alluded to this. Mixture of wrestlers and American footballers, the Hart Foundation, Bruno Sammartino, William the Refrigerator Perry, of course. Um, the, The battle royal was what it was. It wasn't great. But Carrie, I want you to sum up now how you feel about Brett's Wrestlemania journey because this of course is the last time we're going to talk about him he wasn't in the first Wrestlemania I think looking at Brett's career just in Wrestlemania's is, has actually been fascinating it's because these isolated kind of snapshots of what he did and we've seen everything that Brett did so from his tag team stuff um, to being thrown into terrible battle royal things like this, to his single stuff. We've seen face Brett, we've seen heel Brett, we've seen the rest of the awful Hart family being awful to varying degrees. I love Brett. I, I think this has made me love him more. He, he's a ridiculous man and he's the bitterest man in the world with some justification some points. He's just the he's just the best. I, I love him. Anton, would you say his WrestleMania legacies may be perhaps the most enduring, certainly the most extreme in terms of you think of the match against Vince, I use the term match extremely loosely, and then you think about the match against Stone Cold at 13, really hitting both ends of the 
the spectrum. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting this period as well, where he was just a tag team guy, but clearly they thought a lot of him. He was clearly much better than the rest of the tag team division, which had some really good competitors in it. It's not as though it was poor. It was a real weird mix of agile guys that probably, if they were around now, would be your sort of mid-carders now and just big guys as lumps really so and i mean he got the he got this the big spot with andre i mean that shows how highly he was rated really early on in his career so yeah i find there's so many stages i just find fascinating about bret hart as well as him as a uh, complex human being should we say who knows he might be back for a wrestlemania in the future carl you like american football right i do indeed hey, have you had you heard of any of these people uh, there are six nfl stars i'd heard of maybe one and I was more impressed by the fact they had Tony Atlas in there as well. William the Fridge Perry's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been in wrestling before, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah but right. in terms of he's first. This, but this is he's the, he was a he was the big name. That's why he got the crowd. The he's crowd a love it for this battle royal. He yeah. gets the most emulations. He's also wearing a very bizarre red jumpsuit, and someone pulls down his trousers, and you can see his butt. And you're like, ah, classic wrestling. Classic wrestling. Somewhere Ric Flair pop for that. <laughs> 45 I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So elsewhere in the show, in New York, the magnificent Morocco and Paul Orndorff fought to a double countout in the first match on the card. Carl, you didn't like it? Oh my God. There is such re- egregious racism in this match that is cut from the network broadcast. Um, so it, it's fought to a, a no contest. And then Mr. Wonderful does slanty eyes to Mr. Fuji and does the... Uh, it's an Italian gesture of an up yours with his arm to Mr. Fuji. It is... One of the few, I'd say one of the few, there are about 15 or so bits that are cut for WWE Network broadcast, and it's here. Mr. Wonderful was once tipped to be Hulk Hogan's successor, and Hogan kind of, like, younger brother crushed him. Um, And you can see why, because Mr. Wonderful looks great. But also, I just want it to be mentioned, Mr. Wonderful did a massive racist. As was the style of the time. (laughs) Jake Roberts defeated George Wells uh, at the Rosemont Horizon in the tag title match. The British Bulldogs defeated the Dream Team. Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine still makes me laugh. Who were champions. Uh, so the Bulldogs won the belt. And in LA, Ricky Steamboat went over Hercules Hernandez whilst Adrian Adonis, brackets with Jimmy Hart, defeated <laughs> Uncle Elmer, who was um, a hillbilly-type character. Uh, the final match we're going to look at went down in LA. Hoss Funk and Terry Funk, brackets with Jimmy Hart, defeated Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana. Um, Hoss Funk, better known as Dory Funk Jr., great career in NWA in Japan, went on to be a trainer with great success. Um, 
Wrestling phrases we know and love makes a welcome return here from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas. If that doesn't pop the shit out of everybody listening to this, then you can turn it off right now. Um, this was actually quite good by the standards of the time, I thought. This is some proper big boy punching. <laughs> this is this is proto-hardcore wrestling. There's a table... Terry Funk takes a table bump in 1986. It is the most succinct way I can describe this one. It, it, it's like, yeah, violence. Ah. Terry Funk still alive and to the best of my knowledge can walk which is extraordinary I get it I don't, I, how I genuinely <laughs> I was watching this match in a uh, in a coffee shop in a, in East London and my coffee was being of course you were yeah <laughs> my coffee was being brought to me uh, at the time when was Terry... it just a normal coffee was it Nesquik or something or Nesquik Nesquik Nescafe Nescafe um, or was it a skinny chai latte you just got me a skinny chai yeah, latte yeah yeah that's what it was um and the barista okay. went, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> no, so so Terry Funk gets thrown over the top rope and you hear that, oh, lands on the concrete floor. And I went, oh shit, that is a concrete floor. <laughs> and I say that out loud. And the, and the woman just drops the, the latte in front of me and just looks and gives me a very peculiar look and just walk, taps me on the shoulder and walks away. And I'm like, aw. And then I was like, oh, leave me alone. This is, I'm comfortable with my life choices. Um, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this. This is it's exactly what I wanted out of a funk match. Just them two beating each other around, throwing each other around, and just madness and silliness and a precursor to a hardcore match. It's great. Uh, maybe not 100% to your taste, Carrie, but uh, Terry Funk, much more enjoyable when he doesn't have some pantyhose and baby powder <laughs> over his face. Yeah, there's that. Um, no, it, it, isn't, it isn't my kind of thing. But, again, if you're going backwards watching Terry Funk matches, you know he's not going to die because he's not dead. <laughs> so, you know, it's fine. Uh, just, just that bit on beyond the mat where he goes to see his doctor. He's just his knees. It shouldn't be funny when somebody says on your good knee you have moderate to severe degenerative arthritis. You've worn that knee out. It's been hurt too many times. You are going to need a new knee on your bad knee. Terry told me he wasn't happy with his doctor's diagnosis. <laughs> uh, final thoughts then on on this, Carrie. We'll come to you first. Kind of caught between the the historic first ever Wrestlemania and the excellent Wrestlemania 3 um, yeah rock hard place Wrestlemania 2 yeah it's um, so it's Vince who's essentially his, his, his eyes are bigger than his belly when it comes to <laughs> getting a Wrestlemania up and running he's Wrestlemania 1 went clearly well he wants to do something bigger and better and just he, he overreaches himself and spreads his talent too thinly and tries to throw in as many celebrities as he can and it's a bit all over the place shall we say Carl do you think that Vince thought this went well yeah because he's got three sold out stadiums and when you're Vincent Mann that's what matters more um it's it is three separate Wrestlemania stitched together with you know a lot of heavy lifting by Mean Gene and other backstage characters and you can tell what WWE thinks of this match, uh, WrestleMania, because it is always WrestleMania one happened in 1985, and then Hulk Hogan defeated Andre the Giant at WrestleMania three. They don't really like talking about WrestleMania two, um, despite the fact I still think it could work in theory for another WrestleMania to have it in more than one venue. Perhaps maybe you have like a two day WrestleMania in one city of one, which is just all the feuds, and then the next day is all your title matches. Anton, you're shaking your head. It's four. It's it's five six hours long. I mean, I mean, and you've got Takeover, which they're probably going to put, start putting back to Fridays. Certainly, are going to for the next WrestleMania. Um, I mean, if it kills the Hall of Fame ceremony, fine. But I think it dilutes the 
if you're on the WrestleMania bill and you're on the Saturday, then that's not really... Everybody really enjoys their WrestleMania match and getting in. That's why there's a battle royale. That's why everyone has it. It just defeats the object of having it over two days. time of recording, there's rumours that the Hall of Fame will be moved to Saturday to better facilitate The Rock when he is inducted because he can't take three days off in a row for WWE anymore. Well, it'd be better to just say The Rock is in the Hall of Fame and not do the Hall of Fame ceremony, I would I would argue. Um, Carrie, have you got a WrestleMania moment from WrestleMania 2? Um... Let me think about that. Get someone else first. Carl? Yes. It's a botch. It is. It is. Uh, so when you watch WrestleMania 2, it will cut to a old-aged woman. Oh, oh you took mine. Uh, Clara Pella, who is the woman from Wendy's commercials going, where's the beef? Uh, and so it, that's her entire line. That's what she's known for. That's the only thing she's meant to do. The camera goes to her. She's meant to say, where's the beef? It cuts to her and she just goes, Now? Then it cuts and goes to somewhere else. She scowls. This is after Jean has introduced her as a lady who has indeed found the beef. <laughs> I mean, you know, different different time, different world, Anton. Have you got one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love Susan St. James. Just want to put it out there. She seems magnificent, wonderful. And Have you seen Don't Cry, It's Only Thunder? I will. <laughs> I presume it's on Netflix. Um, and it is, for me, it's the ring announcer, Chet Kopek, who I'd never known before. don't know who this guy is, but he announces everyone twice. <laughs> He's like, fabulous moolah! 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 It's like, in case people didn't hear it or people didn't, didn't get the reaction. His own echo. Yeah. Enjoy and it. a young Ken Kennedy's furiously <laughs> scribbling down. <laughs> it was really weird, but I really enjoyed it. I thought of what mine is. Okay. Ozzy Osbourne. Just oh, yeah. randomly there to cheer on people being British. It's just hilarious. <laughs> right, don't go too far. We're going to be talking through the show where it all started in just a moment. Our review of the first ever WrestleMania comes next. Welcome back to Parts Unknown. Thank you so much if you've listened along with us through our WrestleMania journey. It's been gripping, gruelling and grappling. So here we are, folks. It's the very first WrestleMania. It went down on March 31st, 1985 at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Apparently it was Howard Finkel who came up with the name WrestleMania. He said to Vince, there's Beatlemania, why don't we have WrestleMania? Clever. Shame he didn't copyright that, mind. He could have uh, made a few quid. Vince himself opened with the talent that this show would either make or break the company. Uh, the intro video we got, not up to much, just a load of stills of wrestlers and, and people who would be appearing. Gorilla and Jesse on commentary. Mean Gene singing the national anthem. So, so <laughs> rinky-dink, but very, very sweet nonetheless. He asked for help. <laughs> From yeah. the crowd, because he, he wasn't sure he knew the words. It's my favourite anthem. <laughs> um, Lord Alfred Hayes then throws to some pre-recorded interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with the first ever match at WrestleMania because it, it feels like we should. Tito Santana defeated the Executioner by submission. The Executioner from Parts Unknown. Do we know this guy? Yes. It's Buddy Rose. Rose. Yeah, I know. I'm making a joke in the fact that we're Parts Unknown. But yeah, yeah it wasn't, wasn't a good one. Um, oh, it's yeah. a pun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was looking at Carrier, not you, damn it. Um, what, this is better than, than the WrestleMania 3 opening match, I guess. That's about as much as we can say as that. It was, it was, it was okay. Um, let's spin on to the main event then. It was shocking to learn it featured a blonde and bald bombshell by the name of Terry as Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, brackets with Jimmy Snooker, defeated Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper, brackets with Bob Orton. Uh, add-ons galore, Muhammad Ali and Pat Patterson, special guest referees, a baseball chap called Billy Martin, uh, ring announcer Liberace, uh, another bloke who turned up. Him and some showgirls did a high-kick uh, Vegas slash Riverdance routine. Piper led out by a procession of bagpipes and drummers um the it took an eternity for the match to actually start but when mr t and hogan came out carrie the place came unglued as they say it really did 
I actually really like this. And I didn't think I would. Yeah, they're throwing all the bells and whistles in traditional WrestleMania style now, something we've got very used to seeing. Kind of a lot of the kind of glitz and noise uh, starts to cover over the fact that they haven't actually got very much planned. But yeah, this 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 is pretty decent, I thought, for a main event. Um, according to Gorilla Monsoon, Mr. T had been living on tuna fish and water, um, which is fine. <laughs> Carl, were you sports entertained? I was, I was. Um... I was very surprised at how much Muhammad Ali was involved. Uh, something's particularly interesting. When they show, when they do the documentary, like WrestleMania is through the, all history. They do not show this main event. What they do show is Liberace doing the high kicks and Muhammad Ali raising his hand as a timekeeper. They will not show any of the in-ring action, which shows you what they think of it. And also, I watched this with my friend and he said, isn't it bizarre, the very first WrestleMania and the title was not on the line. You take your heavyweight champion and you put him in a tag match because someone told you you're going to get Mr. T and Muhammad Ali in there instead. It's from the very first instance of WrestleMania, Vince McMahon is explicitly telling you the title is less important than celebrity crossover appeal. Um, Mr. T and Hulk Hogan had hosted Saturday Night Live the night before this, um, bizarrely enough. It, it it was pretty much the epitome of, of kind of WrestleMania fanfare sports entertainment stuff that we'd see in years to come. Yeah, it was. I thought it was really interesting because Mr. T is billed as, you know, limited and he's criticised, but then so's Hulk, so's Hogan. This is, this, they're, they're both limited and it's both kind of, it's just all right. It just happens around the razzmatazz. There's a match at the end of it and then there's more razzmatazz at the end and then that's it. And it's. I don't, I'm okay with that. That's fine because this is what it was all building up to. This is what, you know, this is what the biggest extravagance was supposed to be. It would have been weird if you had a, a 15 minute, you know, sort of classic in the in the middle of it all because then you wouldn't need anything else around it. So, and people had probably gone to the Tetris and watched good wrestling for years, or they, you know, or there was enough programming on for them to see wrestling week in, well, not week in, week out, but every so often. So, didn't need to be good. It just needed to be attention grabbing. It needed to be in your face. It needed to get people on the sofa to watch it, and it it certainly did it. So I'm kind of not really going to criticise too much. Um, one thing I do love, though, so you've got Liberace and you've got Ali and you've got all these things, but at the time people are throwing stuff into the ring constantly, aren't they? Because they, you know, they, if you don't like someone, you throw your beer cups and that kind of thing. Very WCW thing. That. So there is an old guy. With a really with a big broom on the apron round the ring, right next to Muhammad Ali at the beginning, but every, just before they start the match, this old man just sweeping the ring, just in his own little world. Just I thought it's the sweetest thing we've ever seen. Like this huge razzmatazz, huge stars, Hulk's there. Amazing don't, don't that there me. wasn't a, a character in 1995 called the Janitor based on him. <laughs> uh, of course, the good guys win. Piper KOs Patterson, one of the special refs, who's obviously there to make sure that it all goes well on, on the way out to get some heat back in a, in a typical kind of Piper move. The next match I want to talk about, the Body Slam Challenge. Andre the Giant beat Big John Stud, who was with Bobby Heenan. The stip being that Andre would have to retire if he couldn't slam Stud. If he could, he'd get $15,000. Um, we've obviously spoken a lot about Andre. He could sort of walk freely here, which I thought was nice. So I think I enjoyed this as much, if not more, than any of his other offerings. Yeah, I'm not wincing as he moves around the ring. I did note $15,000 looks a lot different when it's stuffed into a WWF-branded duffel bag. It just looks like a less impressive sum of money when it's in there. Um, Big John Studd is escorted with Bobby the Brain, so I, I'm, I'm invested because anything that Bobby Heenan's involved in makes you... 
it makes the thing you care about matter even more. Uh, yeah, it's great. Andre Giant being billed as four hundred and seventy-six pounds here. I will just note how whatever Andre is being billed as because it always changes, and I don't know what it is because that's the magic of Andre. <laughs> um, Carry classic Bobby Heenan that he just runs off with a bag of money at the end, so Andre doesn't <laughs> get it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh- I love Bobby Heenan. I think that's something else I've learnt over over the course of this uh, this rewatch. He's just really good at everything. Carl's right. As soon as you see him, you're invested. You know something interesting is going to happen, even if it's not necessarily the match you're about to watch. There's going to be something that's worth watching. For example, you know, running off with bags of money or saying something outrageous. And you mentioned about Andre not winc- you're not wincing to watch him. He does the big man climb over the ropes. I said a few weeks ago about he's going in through the middle ropes like you know normal sized people would. Here he's over the top rope because he can still do that. His hips are not completely fucked. So yeah, it's nice. Did you enjoy it, Anton? Yeah, I really did. I just I've got a massive soft spot for Andre and watching the Andre the Giant documentary, the HBO special, he hated John Studd. Which, which which is brilliant when you watch it because you know the chops were harder, you know the slam would have been harder and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, just anybody just go and watch you know, The Princess Bride and go and sort of, you know, watch the HBO documentary and just find out more about this this wonderful sort of charismatic guy. Because he was, yeah, it was just a lot of fun and he seemed like a, a good guy to be around. Well said. Um, in terms of the Intercontinental title offering, Carl's favourite junkyard dog defeated Greg Valentine brackets with jimmy hart by count out um jyd you're right carly he's quite endearing isn't he and he got entrance music too which was a rarity on this show did he or was that is that dubbed over the top Ooh, i don't why think... would they dub that over the top because it for didn't that, sound right that right. didn't sound right to me at all i i don't know why and do I you think maybe he had a different entrance music that they didn't get the rights clearance for and put or that maybe he got a reaction from some or might something might have been picked up on the mic they may not have wanted broadcasted tweeters at the PE podcast um, Greg Valentine and Junkyard Dog in NWA feuded a lot and Greg Valentine used to always use racial epithets in promos uh, at Junkyard Dog so you'd always call him a nasty dirty black man unclean black man filthy black man JYD would constantly beat him using dusty finishes and whatnot so this is more or less um, this is a well rehearsed match between these two they have great chemistry and it is, like I said, um, at WrestleMania 2, this is like a real two. We're just old, old as balls guys going to knock each other out all the time. So there's a bit there where JYD, Greg Valentine's on all fours, JYD's on all fours, and he just starts headbutting him like he's a dog, which is dumb and hilariously hokey. But he's like, yeah, if you two genuinely hate each other to that level and you couldn't stand up straight, you would just start belting each other with your head. Um, I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed how the Intercontinental title is completely different in, in 1985. It's, it's green and a lot smaller. Well, this is something that I want to talk about. That that belt carry has really endured, hasn't it? There's been lots that have come and gone and come again, but but that one's been there all the way through our, our WrestleMania journey, which is must mean something, I guess. I'm not sure what. What, in terms of the, t- of the title itself? The intercontinental title is yeah. always a thing throughout all of WrestleMania. I think it's always kind of been the belt that they give to the... You know, technical in inverted commas the technical champion as opposed to kind of the big the big name so i think that's why it's kind of always been so uh so battled over is it, it, is it also a tester maybe sometimes as well it's, let's see how you look with this and then maybe we'll move you up a step i think it's all a tester in that to see whether you'll step up and whether you can carry the company certainly but yeah i think it's it yeah it's the uh it, it, it's the workhorse belt quite often i think it's nice to see they brought back the green belt 
at the side of Royal Rumble as well, didn't they? They're very similar belts. Everyone feels good about that. It's also the most consistent one. So very often, you know, Hulk Hogan wasn't always on TV. And back in the territorial days, your champion would be travelling around, basically from other territories, and you might lose it, your big t- title belt to someone else. So your, the IC one was the one that you knew would be every single house show. Like, like in 2018, where the champion's travelling from the octagon to his sofa (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anton I've got a question for you and I'm asking you and um, not Carl and Carrie because I know their answer is just going to be no shut up move on have we have we been sleeping a little bit on Jimmy Hart he's around a lot in the first nine Wrestlemanias Um, he he sticks in the craw of some members of our panel does he deserve some some kudos for his longevity if nothing else He's annoying, and he's, he's like, a heel. Though, isn't should, we, should we should we sleep on him when it feels like he'd do something to you in your sleep and not? And, like, it's just <laughs> no. He wake you up quickly because he's got a megaphone. Yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I suppose he's this kind of comedic comics. I don't really know. Like he was just this sort of loud thing that was around. He did it. He did his job. I'll put it that way. He did. He did his job by being himself, basically. So fine. That's. I just can't believe he stuck around for so long because. Unless you're really, really good, gimmicks wear off. So, and that's why he's irritating because he's just consistently there doing the same thing, saying the same things, and being irritating all the time. So, the key to longevity in wrestling is to have a gimmick where you're an annoying dweeb, basically. Yeah, seems like. Yeah, yeah, either or, yeah. If only The Miz had done the latter, he could have been uh, the longest reigning Universal Champ ever. Elsewhere on this show, King Kong Bundy, brackets with Jimmy Hart, defeated Special Delivery Jones. Um, Yeah, he was called Special Delivery Jones, it just made me laugh. Ricky Steamboat defeated Matt Bourne, who you may remember as Doink the Clown. At the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, brackets with Freddie Blassie, defeated the US Express, Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, with Lou Albano to win the tag titles. Um, Anyone got anything to say on any of those? No? Good. Okay. Uh, We're on the home stretch now. The next part of Parts Unknown will be the last part of Parts Unknown. Well, the last part where we talk about WrestleMania 1 in Parts Unknown. I mean, we'll be back soon. Welcome back to Parts Unknown. Remember to follow us at the PU Podcast. Give us a nice review if you can and subscribe too. Back to the garden then. A couple more matches to discuss. Brutus Beefcake with Johnny Valiant versus David Sammartino with Bruno Sammartino ended in a double disqualification. Um, just before we talk about the match, we, we touched on it briefly, Carrie. Lord Alfred Hayes doing the links. I mean, he's either drunk or he's just received some bad news because this didn't go well. I'm assuming that he was being asked to read off cards and he hadn't been asked to do that before because he'd been used to doing stuff you know, on shows where he hadn't given a script. So I think there's someone off camera, just to the side of the camera, holding up a card. So that is why he's not looking anywhere near the camera and it is why his eyes are rolling about all over the place. And I don't think necessarily he's that good at reading because he doesn't get any of his links right and he looks like he's sweating profusely any time he's on camera. He looks so uncomfortable and awkward. I feel terrible for him the entire way through. Well, that's the problem when you're in the gentry, I suppose, isn't it? There's no motivation <laughs> to really take your education seriously. You know, you know when you fart in a lift... And no. then no, no. you hope you don't get rumbled, so you kind of get that nervous look and the sweat comes on. That's what Hayes looks like for three hours. I thought it was kind of like somebody had 
a member of his immediate family at knife point just behind the camera <laughs> and was like, do this right, otherwise, um, and presumably... And he, and he, he didn't he do didn't. it right, so yeah, I presume they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, to the match then, Bruno, another one of those we haven't gotten to speak about much. He was in, in the uh, in the Battle Royal at two, died earlier this year, didn't actually have his last match with the company for another two years after this. Um, Carl, you can talk us through briefly his, his legacy, his, his fallout with Vince and his reunion with the company. He's, he's definitely in the top five key wrestlers in this company's history. He's the living, they call them the living legend. He was, is the longest reigning champion in WWF history. He was the WWF champion for a decade, more or less, under Vince's, our Vince McMahon's dad. Uh, he, was the center point centerpiece of that federation so his his character more or less was i'm a working class italian american hero you'd go to msg you'd watch bruno win a match eventually apparently he had a, a proto john cena proto hulk hogan thing where he'd absorb a lot of offense look weak and power through and apparently when he eventually lost the title to ivan koloff the crowd was so vitriolic Ivan got death threats and had to more or less go into hiding. David Sammartino... And that was at MSG as well. Yep. David Sammartino was his son, a talented wrestler, apparently did not like wrestling. He very famously got himself squashed in a match that was not planned to, to for him to lose and essentially ruined his own heat because he didn't, he didn't want to be a wrestler, didn't want to go into the family business. And while this is a good wrestling match, and I say wrestling match because... It's got none of the pomp and circumstance and sports entertainment that you will see in the main event. You can see that David is a, a side character in this. So Bruno is billed as a living legend. One of the graphics that come up, Bruno is first one to get Bruno San Martino. Then it's Bruno San Martino. Then David gets a David San Martino. So he's clearly not a big deal. Um, and yeah, it's a quite a nice match. I, I quite enjoy this. This is this is the most I, think I will enjoy uh, Bruce Beefcake. And well, Beefcake hands on announced from parts unknown. Just for the record, he's not welcome around. Not here. having that. No, not having that. Um, um, so last week we talked about how I slightly got a little bit more on board with Beefcake because of you know he, he, the barber character actually sort of came out of something. Um, whereas this one in the pre-match promo with Johnny Valiant, Valiant throws to you know. Beefcake and Beefcake just clearly either doesn't know his line, doesn't know what to say, so just blows a raspberry, and he and then just stands there smugly, thinking he's done the most creative and wonderful and thought-provoking thing. If and Vince McMahon's your not, boss, that probably is quite a good thing to like, do, like, though. Blowing a fart noise out your lips isn't EMC e equals MC squared. You're not a genius. You've you've just done what a toddler does. That makes oh, he's awful. He is awful. And I really wanted Bruno to go and beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> right, the last match we're going to discuss saw Wendy Richter with Cindy Lauper defeat Leilani Kai, who was the champion. She had fabulous Moolah with her. Um, you ready for a hot take, Carrie? Yeah. Okay, get your oven gloves out. I think, having watched this, Cindy Lauper's is the best celebrity involvement in WrestleMania. She was properly into it. She gave a great pre-match interview. She was interested in the match whilst it was going on. She sort of legitimised this first WrestleMania. She was a hot artist at the time. Um, and I didn't realise that until I watched this WrestleMania. No, I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's fairly accurate. Can, have I told you my Cindy Lauper story? Have Please I done, do. my, done my name dropping? Go for it. So she um, composed the book, the music, for the West End musical Kinky Boots. 
And she was over in London when that opened at the Adelphi a couple of years ago. And it was not long after Roddy Piper died. And I was there at the first night and Cindy Lauper's there. Go and talk to Cindy Lauper. So I went to talk to Cindy Lauper and we ended up just talking about Roddy Piper. And literally everybody else in this room is a theatre person. And there's me and Cindy Lauper talking about Roddy Piper and his body of work at WrestleMania. And she only had lovely things to say about him. Now, admittedly, that she was... She didn't know him very well, then. Well, it was just after he died as well. So maybe, maybe that had She didn't to do see his it. true colours. Oh, nice. Jesus she Christ, has, She man. has also shared a ring with Moolah. So, you yeah. know... <laughs> Also, also true. But anyway, she was really nice, really interesting, and was still up on wrestling. So I think you're right. I think she's proper into this. So she was a really good pick then. WrestleMania does not exist without Cindy Lauper. Absolutely. I, I've you know watching this match, which is a very well wrestled match and has great storytelling and has real drama to it. And you realise the history of WrestleMania and how Vince went. Can I do this? Can I have a closed circuit pay per view event? And how it, you know the proto WrestleManias were two or three wrestling specials put on MTV thanks to Cindy Lauper's involvement. It is fascinating that Vince McMahon's greatest ever creation, he basically nicked it from a woman. Well, I, what I thought was interesting, Anton, years to come, go through our back catalogue and, and listen to us talk about the Miller catfight girls and all, all that kind of nonsense. The first ever WrestleMania, one of the better matches on it, was a women's match, which was treated as a serious wrestling match. It was to the you know to the music of "Girls Who Want to Have Fun," a kind of like a sort of a better mantra than we've had for ten, fifteen, twenty years after that. So yeah, it's I, I think the whole psychology behind it's fascinating, but it goes back to what I was saying earlier about there were no women involved in any decision making or any production or any anything. So they would. Possibly Moolah's fault. Oh, absolutely. Because Moolah is very much... If Moolah has the reputation of being you go through Moolah to tell everyone, and you, we now know that Moolah is very much making sure no one is getting above their station. So, I'm going to spoil the result. Um, Wendy Richter defeats Leilani Kai for the title, and then more or less a month later, she loses in a screw job. So, Moolah faces her, doesn't tell her she's going to win the title, pins her down, holds her shoulders down, wins the title... And then holds it for two years. Wow. Wendy Richter was properly screwed over by, by the company in general. And the rumour is it was about money. Richter thought she deserved more than she was being paid, was arguing that she deserved more as champion as one of their you know, top women on the card. And yeah, um, it was a, it was a, a conspiracy to, to get her out. Wow. Um, finish was impressive as well, wasn't it? Kai hitting a, a cross body off the top rope, which you just didn't see it this time, and then um, a kind of roll up after that. Um, that's pretty much that. Well done, gang. Well done, listeners. We made it for the last time. Let's have some WrestleMania moments. Carrie, what's yours? Um, I think it was a. Uh, it was that like, the end of the women's title match. I just thought that was a really great match to watch. It was a good, a fitting ending. And yeah, it, it was lovely to see it so high up in the card and, and yeah, taken seriously when we don't see a women's match or a women's championship defended for a good, what, five year stretch uh, in, in the ones after this? Carl? It's got to be Mean Gene singing the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> off his hand. It, it, is, it is so quaint and lovely. And WrestleMania one, it, it's not great wrestling. It, but but it's it's just got a nice charm to it of just the simple act of a, a celebrity no show. So can you get Mean Gene to sing that? I'm like, yeah, okay, and go very nicely. You need to help me out here. So yeah, I like, I like that. 
And Tom? Well, I've mentioned Sweepy McGee, who I really like too. <laughs> Thanks to the credits. There were credits at the end yes, of this episode. Yes, there were. Yeah, like it, like, it was a, um, like it was an episode of Dallas or something. Exactly. Uh, who I'm guessing was maintenance guy Larry Raywinkle. Great name. <laughs> uh, shout out especially to J.E. Goldsmith, who was the graphics guy, and cameraman Richard Youngblood, which sounds like a wrestler. Dr. Oh. Y- Lloyd Youngblood, who yeah. does all the neck operations. Maybe it's some relation to him. Um, but then, going back, following on from what Carrie said, uh, at the end of the Women's Championship match, there's a brilliant bit where Moolah tries to get back in the ring and falls over the <laughs> falls over the rope and lands face. I had to watch it three times. Because it looks like it's just old woman falls over for no reason in that pantomime wrestling way, in a Ric Flair kind of way. No, she just falls over the rope. It's very funny. Um, mine is the ginormous MSG-labelled mic that drops from the ceiling all the time for them to get. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool. So just like that, we're out of WrestleManias to discuss. Don't worry, though. It's not quite all said and done. The dust hasn't finished settling. Next week, we'll bring you our best of slash award show where we'll be picking our favourite Mania moments across the 34 shows in a variety of categories including Goat Man and Woman Best Promo Best Match and the granddaddy of them all Most Wrestlemania Moments until next time I've been Matt Davis Adams you've been in Parts Unknown The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Ando. And I'm Fer. And we host Niñas Bien, Bien Podcast. We want to invite you to listen to our show. Niñas Bien means good girls in Spanish. But you have to know that this is not a podcast for good girls. Or for girls at all. It is a comedy podcast. So everyone is welcome to listen. We talk about sex, relationships, technology. We recommend movies and TV shows and discuss pop culture in general. And there is Chisme Ajeno too. A section we have just to gossip about everyone. So you'll find something you like here. And you'll practice your Spanish. The cleanest Spanish you'll find, we promise. And if you already hablas español, vamos a hacer, hacer tus, tus nuevas, nuevas amigas. amigas. We'll be your friends for the non-Spanish speakers. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Hosted by Acast and available to all audio platforms. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>